0: So yesterday, I was privileged yesterday, I got to hear not just one, but two phenomenally moving national anthems. The first was at the Ohio State basketball game with Michigan State, and trust me, it was all downhill from there, uh, because Ohio State did not have a very good day on the basketball court against Michigan State. Uh, The young lady who did the anthem, uh, Marlena Hoos, is someone I've heard do it before. She is an amazing story. She is blind. She has cerebral palsy, but God has gifted her with a powerhouse voice. And she does the conventional style anthem. You know how the melody goes. But, man, the voice is just coming out of that little body. Just amazing. And then during the Super Bowl, uh, we got the country singer Chris Stapleton. Now, I'm not a Chris Stapleton fan. Pam is shaking her head like she's a Chris Stapleton fan. He is awesome. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'll take your word for it. Very bluesy. He looks like genuine. he uh, came straight off the set of Duck Dynasty.
1: Mm, maybe.
0: Yeah, He's hasn't, a country star. He hasn't met a razor and is not on a first name basis. That doesn't make him a bad guy. No. It just means like that would be a lot of hair to take care of mm-hmm. on his face and on his head. And I'm not really too much open to the individual interpretation of the national anthem. I am. And there's one way to do it. The only way to do it. The right way to do it. And every other way is the wrong way to do it. And I got to say, after hearing Chris Stapleton, um, I got to rethink my view of the anthem. My favorite anthem always before was Whitney Houston's rendition at the Super Bowl right around, I'm going to say, 2000. But here's the last part of Chris Stapleton's anthem yesterday at the Super Bowl at uh, what used to be University of Phoenix Stadium now is sponsored, well, that was sponsored then by a corporate entity. But here's Chris Stapleton. That's a 10. That's a 10. That was phenomenal.
1: He's coming to Nationwide Arena, and I believe he's part of the larger tour that's the, what do they call it, the Buckeye thing that's at the stadium? Oh, Buckeye Country so Superfest. I fast. think he's coming to Columbus yeah. like twice in a matter of six months.
0: Yeah, I couldn't name a single song he sings. I'm sure I've heard some because we're a country music family. My kids would know what he sings. But that was tremendous. And a couple of thoughts on the Super Bowl, uh, not the game stuff, because... What a rotten ending to a really good game. I mean, leave the flag in your pocket, please. Like, let the players decide the game. And I'm not, never call a penalty, but not a iffy penalty like that one. Uh, during Chris Stapleton's anthem, to me was the most visually powerful image of the night was Philadelphia Eagles coach Nick Sirianni. With tears coming out of both of his eyes as he was listening to that anthem. I mean, I what a what a lucky moment for Fox and great direction by Fox, because you're sitting in a you're sitting in a truck with however many monitors, probably thirty monitors up there with everybody's camera angle on there. And to have somebody be looking at Nick Siriani at the moment that the tears started to come out of the corner of his eyes, and to go and hit that take while the tears streamed down his cheeks. An amazing shot. And I gotta tell you. I'm a little surprised they took that shot. I'm a little surprised they took that shot. Because a lot of the Super Bowl yesterday, the Super Bowl used to be a demonstration of and a glorification of American patriotism. Now it is this kind of weird mix where the NFL doesn't want to give that back because that's the backbone of the NFL, the blue-collar fan pittsburgh steeler green bay packer cleveland brown detroit lion they want the blue collar fan oh they really gotta have the blue collar fan but they now have transitioned into and they went right to it after chris stapleton's national anthem they do the flyover right okay well that's right in the genre that's right in the military america you know and we get the first all-female flight crew going over the super bowl now I could care less that it's the first all-female flight crew. Not that I don't believe that females can fly fighter jets. I'm sure they can. But anything that would fall under the category of, I don't care, why does it really matter? You're forcing it in. Like, does anybody really care who's flying the fighter jets? Like, the fighter jets themselves are amazing enough. The fact that they can fly wing to wing and arrive right as the anthem ends,
1: that's pretty amazing. It's a recruiting tool at that point, I think. But it's not amazing because women are doing it. They have been doing it for many years, actually. It's amazing
0: that it can be done and that we can do it. Yeah. It's just, okay, we're woke. And then in the end zone, we got the it takes all of us, anti-racism message, and we got all this. And then we had the black national anthem yesterday. Well, if we have two anthems, do we have a United States? Like for how many decades, how many going on more than two centuries, we did not need two anthems. Now we need two anthems. Why? Because a guy high on drugs got killed by a cop acting outside his purview and authority as a Minneapolis police officer. That makes us need two anthems? Stupid Stupid and stupid for the NFL to give it any kind of attempted credibility by playing it at the Super Bowl. The thing that makes us a nation, that's why we're called the United States, is that we have shared values. And because we now are in an era where we extol and accentuate our differences and the fact that we have to not assimilate into a culture. Like, I worked in Cleveland for a lot of my professional life, and there are these various little ethnic pockets in Cleveland. Not so much here, but there's, like, Slavic Village, and there's a, you know, there's all these different nationalities. And I had a buddy who, like, he'd take me into the dive bar in Slavic Village. But the people who came to America as immigrants and who built America, the blue-collar people of various descents, They would come to this country and then they would assimilate into the shared values of the country. And you can do that while still treasuring your own original ethnic origins. You don't have to surrender those. You're not betraying those. It's just that you realize that you're now coming from somewhere else and attaching yourself and folding yourself in and becoming a part of something bigger than just where you came from. And if we don't get back to that, like, for instance, let's say these balloons over our nation are an aggression coming from an enemy of the United States of America. Am I alone in wondering, how would we handle that now? I remember how we handled it in 2001. We were united. We were united. Okay, we got our differences polarized, but hey, we're not putting up with this. Like, let's go get them, right? George Bush standing on the rubble we're going to find out who did this they're going to hear from all of us soon everybody cheered he's in new york city he's a bunch of firefighters but a bunch of democrats probably and republicans and independents and people with no political affiliation all digging out of the rubble of 9-11 trying to save those firefighters and saving those cops and they were all in on making somebody pay for who did that could we possibly do that now would we have five seconds of unification If there was an electromagnetic pulse from above, if there was a chemical weapons attack from above, or would we just instantly engage in the blame game? Yeah, I don't know whether to be, I don't know how much credence to give uh, the uh, increasingly Uh, Alarmist reports out of eastern Ohio. The EPA is there doing samples of the river water. And I'm inherently skeptical of all the climate alarmism out there. But the mere fact that we had a train derailment 10 days ago and that it produced uh, apocalyptic fires because of the dangers of the chemicals in the rail cars and that the governor of our state, Mike DeWine, was concerned enough about uh, an organic explosion of those chemicals as they leaked out of the rail cars that they did a, a controlled burn, and the burn was <laughs> looked like a movie set, uh, how explosive that fire was. I don't think that it's being um, alarmist to wonder, well, what's the long-term environmental impact of that? Why? Uh, and it's not also, it is, I think reasonable to assume that the epa should be there right now taking samples and checking it out but this to me seems like something that would be very very hard to contain if in fact the water has become contaminated and honestly as i just sort of think out loud on this topic right here i don't know how you keep this from poisoning the air or from poisoning the water table Uh, i come from an area of ohio not around here but it's uh, western ohio where the rates of uh, cancer were astronomically high, given what they are throughout the rest of the state. there's a, There was a landfill in this one area for a very, very, very long time. And while it has never been proven, the people there have speculated that before they came in and cleaned up this landfill, that something very toxic happened to the water supply. And it stands to reason that people's immune systems are geared differently. People's exposure to those kinds of things is different. If you live right next to it, if you farm, if you were around it, if whatever, and it could be also your exposure to other agents can vary. If you're a farmer and you're exposed to a lot of harsh chemicals, you're killing weeds or things like that, okay, well, your exposure to it might be worse. But I do think this bears watching because when you look at this on a map where it took place, it took place in eastern Ohio when the Ohio River flows down toward the Mississippi River and it could have catastrophic consequences for West Virginia, for Ohio for Indiana, for Illinois. And I just don't know how they would mitigate this. And it's it's a little, well, more than a little weird to me that that railroad is back open and it is doing business. There are rail cars flowing through there today, tomorrow, while the site has not been cleaned up yet. The the incinerated rail cars that they thought would blow up and launch in effect bullets pieces of rail car exploded into tiny shreds by the force of a chemical explosion that they feared they feared that that would be launched up to a mile away like basically gunfire in all directions so that tells you the couple things tells you the power of those chemicals when they interact in a way that's not monitored or mitigated. And it tells you the toxicity of those chemicals if they could cause an explosion that powerful. So this is um, this is problematic because how do you know we're going to get the truth on this? Do you feel like we're getting the truth on these balloons, cylindrical objects, whatever being shot down? No, we're in the dark. I mean, really, it is amazing that our government has called F-22 fighter jets out to shoot down objects out of the sky over the United States, Alaska, albeit still the United States, the Yukon, east of Alaska, Canada, north of the United States, and Lake Huron, and they haven't said why, and they haven't said what. I mean, that's, those are the questions we were trained to ask in journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why. We know the when. We don't know the who. We don't know the why. And those are really important. So uh, it's comforting to hear John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesman, say this.
1: There's a, an object in that airspace that either poses a safety of flight risk, and these three certainly did, or poses a potential surveillance risk, we're going to take the action that we need to, to defend our national security interests.
0: Yeah, well, good. Where was that two weeks ago, when the Chinese spy balloon was floating over the country? Back then, it was no big deal. By the way, China is saying that we are doing the same thing over their country. Here's John Kirby on that.
1: Not doing it. Just absolutely not true.
0: So the U.S., let me just push you a little further then. So the U.S. is not using these balloons technologies at all over China?
1: That is right. We are not flying balloons uh, over China. That is absolutely true.
0: I, I hate that I even doubt our own government spokespeople, but I do. I do doubt our own government spokespeople, particularly this administration's spokespeople. How do I know this guy's telling me the truth? I don't know he's telling me the truth. Can I add my two cents? Of course. I I'm concerned,
1: as you are. However... I also would like to respect those in charge of our military. I'd like to to withhold some of that information from the media. Even though I've been mm-hmm. in the media for 45 years, I don't necessarily want all of the details out there for the bad guys to know about.
0: I agree with that. Yeah, so you have to walk a fine line. I here. just don't think okay, so yeah. I don't think it's a an unreasonable expectation for them to give us a little bit of detail on what these three things are that they shot down. Like, I would assume that there is a great deal of care exercised in shooting them down. Like, don't we fly close enough to them to see what they look like? They can't tell us what they look like. We've had reports that they're cylindrical objects that have their own propulsion capabilities, that they were not manned. They were sure enough they were not manned. Well, if you're sure enough they're not manned, you got to get close enough to take a look at them. So what do they look like? What are they? That's that's highly sensitive, sensitive information. I have to go to Joe Biden's garage to find out what they look (sighs) like
1: over the weekend. It was reported that there was a uh, large craft that appeared on the beach, North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it was the Navy. And they did it on purpose. Originally, everybody was freaking out, but they did it on purpose. They actually pulled up on the beach and went in and got some sandwiches and whatnot for the Navy guys that are out in the water picking up the parts from the first one. And my husband goes, well, wouldn't they have their own opportunity to, you know, receive food and rations and stuff? I said, I don't know. Maybe it was another opportunity to say, hey, we're the Navy.
0: Who knows? (laughs) That's what I
1: I thought of. I was like,
0: here's the thing. Stop by subway. Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, fills in a lot of the reason why. We have the kinds of questions that we have in this kind of a moment. They see as well as sense weakness in America right now. President Biden, he's detached from reality. He's delusional. Uh, He he denies that our southern border is open. He says that it's, uh, you know, that that we have control over it. Uh, We don't. And and the fact that he doesn't acknowledge the fact that uh, what is happening here is alarming and puts our nation in peril uh, is is itself alarming. Um, You know, we don't exactly have the A-team in place right now, which is also more than unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think back, look, I, I wasn't an Obama fan at all, but I don't think he would have let us. I think he was clear-headed and clear-minded, and he would have realized American sovereignty and the things he had to protect. Same with Clinton, same with Reagan, same with Bush, same with Trump. I don't feel that way about this president.